Hi, and welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is Friday, August 26th, 2022. This is Season 2, Episode 34 of our show. You knew that already, because uh, if you go on Apple Podcasts, it tells you the episode number. I always like to mention it, though. It, like, helps me keep these kinds of things straight, and, like, I usually listen to the things on Spotify where it doesn't have the episode number. Eventually, I'm going to get to the point where I just call everything 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, like that, and, and that's it. So, welcome. Welcome to today's program. This, uh, oh, you know, it's going to be a good one. Then again, I suppose I could start off every episode with that disclaimer. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. And uh, today it's uh, surprising. It, it might be a little more math heavy, like less on the musing. We are now into the regular school year. Yesterday was the first day of school. If you can believe it, this, this is beyond ridiculous to me that school starts. So we're actually for me and most teachers by 2022, school kind of never stops. I mean, in the email era, you can be contacted anytime. School never stops. And uh, my district starts way before Labor Day. I mean, we never started we. That's little Mikey O'Connell growing up. Never started before the Wednesday after Labor Day. They'd be like, Labor Day's Monday. Teachers go back on Tuesday. They just, they just like print off a class list, hand it to you, say good luck tomorrow. Students come in on Wednesday. Now we have these professional development trainings in the days leading up to students coming in. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, think of you at your job. This could be anyone. Like, you don't necessarily love going to every training, right? That's no big secret. I would say this to my employers with a straight face. However, um, it doesn't mean that every training is, is bad. And if you don't like the trainings, well, offer to lead one of the trainings. Maybe it might be good. And that's what I did this week. I was so excited I got to do this. I've been thinking about this for years. And um, the title of my presentation, you're going to love this. It's From Box Scores to Test Scores. And uh, the idea behind it was how to in improve math literacy and students' understanding of math using sports statistics, which I love talking about anyway, right? And to, this is going to be one of those days, again, I have very little written down. It's just to talk about your uh, professional development training. So I'm, I'm clicking. I'm like clicking through my slideshow. Keep an eye on the time, too. Actually, I have two different clocks going because I don't trust just, just one. You got to have you got multiple clocks on to see these things. And um, this was uh, this was this past Monday. I got to lead a presentation on using sports statistics in class, and it always starts with you know, well, what what's your favorite baseball movie? Just a way to break the ice. What's your favorite baseball movie? And most people figure I'm going to say Moneyball, right? Because that's that's what I do. It's basically you're taking the Moneyball idea 
and turning this into math class. Moneyball is not my favorite baseball movie. Bull Durham is my favorite baseball movie. I like that more than Field of Dreams. I like it more than Major League. I like it more than The League of Their Own. And all the other movies that people would say is their favorite baseball movie. To me, nothing touches Bull Durham. More on that later. And of course, several of the movies I just mentioned, you know, it came out in the late 80s, early 90s. Then that was like the high watermark, not only of baseball movies. Bull Durham, by the way, came out in 88. And was the high watermark for my following the game as well. It was 1989. That was the first year I followed baseball and collected baseball cards. And as I've mentioned before, it was the back of the card, not the front. The pictures are cool, but it was the back of the card that got me interested in further interested in the game and also began a lifelong um, passion and then later career of mine talking about the numbers that show up on the back. So the I've talked about this, I think I mentioned it last week briefly, that the amount of information you can fit on the back of a baseball card is like a thimble compared to the ocean that is now on the internet. You can find statistics that will that you could print out from like here to the moon like you would need a baseball card the size of the universe to print all these things but you can find them on the internet it's amazing to me like my grandfather i remember i still have the book bought a baseball encyclopedia thing weighs about 40 pounds and it just has like a list of players and their batting averages and and that's it. And it takes up like a couple thousand pages just to go through all the players of history and just the small number of statistics you can fit on there. Um, but, you know, you start with batting average. That's probably like the most famous number in the game. And it, it's not really an average. It, the batting average, it's, it's really showing you a ratio. You divide a player's hits by his number of at-bats. You take that ratio and convert it to a decimal, round it to the nearest thousandth. Now, you don't have to round it to the nearest thousandth. It's just what you do. And that's just the custom uh, with um, a a baseball batting average. If you get one hit and four at-bats, you don't say 25%. In baseball, you say 250 because it's decimal point 250. Now, in 1989, my favorite player was Don Mattingly. His batting average was 303. He's getting a hit about 303 times out of 1,000. So if he goes one for four in a game, would his average go up or down? Since a quarter, one out of four, is less than 303, his average would go down. Now the question, how much would it go down? Think about that for a minute. And the answer to the question is, well, you don't have enough information to answer that question. And what got me thinking about this was, you know, the math illiteracy that I face now. Now, I realize that it's partly my fault. I've got to teach my students this. But they come in my door not knowing the following because I I get this a lot. So one of my students, random 
unidentified student comes to me at the you know the last day of the term he's gotten a 70 on uh, the first nine quizzes we did this quarter gotten a 70 every single time and then on the last day of the quarter pulls a miracle and he gets a hundred percent went from having a 70 average and he gets a hundred on that last quiz and he assumes that his average is now 85, right? It was a 70, then I got 100, now it's 85, right? It, yeah, that, so that's not how averages work. Now, perhaps this young man would understand better with a basketball analogy, and I'd say something like this. Let's say, um, and yeah, I just switched to basketball. First 81 games of the season, LeBron James averages 30 points a game. But in the final game, he scores 50. So his average is now 40, right? Kid says, no, it doesn't go up that much. Right. Now, if it's the whole season, you know that LeBron's average is going up only a little bit. You take that 81 times 30, add 50 to it, and then divide by 82. That's only barely more than the 30 he had. It's 30.24, as a matter of fact. By the way, Mattingly's batting average... Well, in 1989, he had 191 hits and 631 at-bats. That's .3027. In other words, it's only rounding up to 303. If you took one more game, you went one for four, well, now he has 192 hits and 635 at-bats. That's .3024. It barely moves the needle at all. However, however, that one rounds down because we always round these things off to three decimal places. That one's rounding down to 302. So with a one for four, his average would go down. Johnny's average, by the way, getting to 79 times in a row, then pulling the magical 100, well, that was averages up from a 70 to a 73. Still, C, C minus to a C, that, that's going to look better. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not up to 85. And... It's these kinds of scenarios, you know, take something from sports or something relatable to students and and maybe they can picture the, the dry math class version a little better. Now, part of the presentation is this. And by the way, the whole thing is 75 minutes. I'm cutting it down to 15 here for you. I'm making it five times as good during uh, during our moments together here. I know that not every one of my students is enamored of sports as much as I am. However, everybody likes money. Now, there's the business side of sports. This is the money ball end of it. The business side of sports often receives as much press as the actions on the field. And I love telling this story. It's like, what, what's more money per year? Somebody with a $245 million contract paid out over seven years? or a $324 million contract paid out over nine years. Now, if you know the formula, you're just dividing one by the other, and you see that, well, that second one, it's $36 million a year, and the first one was only, only $35 million a year. <laughs> and by the way, those are the two contracts of pitchers, Steven Strasburg, Coming, coming off the uh, Nats World Series win in 2019, Strasburg signs for $35 million a year. The next day, Garrett Cole signs with the Yankees for $36 million a year. 
And uh, I have my students look at these kinds of things. You know, we, we talk about um, a ratio of how much money per year, and then, well, can you make a table showing the uh, cumulative amount of money? Now, the thing is, and it, it's not $36 million per every, every year. Most of that money, this is how real sports contracts are laid out, most of that money is deferred. So you're getting much less than that at the beginning and then more than that at the end. And if you're one of the guys who can figure that out, guys or ladies who can figure that out, you can do quite well in your life. Like You might not be making Strasburg or coal money, but you're making pretty decent money. Like if you're one of the lawyers or the agents or the folks who are figuring out the contracts, like those people don't make player money, but they do pretty well. They do pretty well for themselves. Um, it, for every famous athlete you know, there are literally hundreds of people employed on the business side of things. And, and the thing I tell my students is that, look, the more you know about math, the closer you'll be to the athlete end of the scale. It's like, yeah, the, the guy who is selling peanuts in the stands, you know, he's, he's got to stand there and you know, make change for a 20. Yeah, he's doing some math. But the guy who's drawing up the contract for 20 million, uh, he, he gets a lot more than peanut money. Let's put it that way. And I, I try to encourage my students with this, like, it, you know, even if you can't throw a fastball 95 miles an hour, even if you can't hit a fastball 95 miles an hour, if you understand how the contracts are laid out and you can be one of the business people or the legal people, you can do pretty well for yourself. You can do pretty well for yourself. And that's um, regardless of your interest in athletics or your athletic ability and it's uh whether you think of that as a you know pleasant thought or a sobering thought um like well i'm not going to make it in the major leagues but here's something i can do to be involved and still do uh still do quite well and it's the kind of thing that you can do longer through life than you know, your athletic ability which uh, let's face it disappears by the time you hit about age 25 or so Something for you to think about uh, between now and the next time we get together. I hope you have appreciated the offering today. One clock I'm looking at shows me right now 22 minutes. That can't possibly be right. I am somehow able to bend the space-time continuum. I don't know how long this uh, episode was. Probably around 15 minutes or so. You're looking at your clock. You know how long it's been. I hope you will join me next Friday as well for, in regards of how long it is, for some more math and uh, some more musings. Uh, in the interim, and to find out more, or to contact, or for more information, well, you can go to MikeOConnellJr.com. <laughs>